Hello and welcome to another edition of the Supercoach Professionals one-on-one series where we go in-depth into a topic and today I am joined by Bill. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Pleasure. Now, Bill's regular team name is The Wild Men, although he often encourages his wife and son to enter teams as well, which he can act as an advisor throughout the season. He finished third overall in the very first Supercoach uh, competition and has accumulated two other top 20 finishes plus another two top 100 finishes over the years. He's going to explain in detail some of the strategies he uses to attempt to stay in contention for the overall competition and it's absolutely great to have you with us, Bill. Looking forward to this immensely. Let's start at the beginning. How do you approach the season? when trying to win it all. Yeah, hello Paul, thanks for having me. Um, well firstly, I see the season as being divided into five parts and each part has its own strategy. Now those parts are the pre-season, which is selection time, rounds one to three, which is I call decision time, rounds four to 11, which are accumulation time, mm-hmm. rounds 12 to 19, the representative season, and then the run home from 20, rounds 20 onwards. Now some tactics I use are just the basic regular ones that we all use, whether head-to-head or overall, but a few are specifically designed to take advantage of, of any advantage that it presents itself during the Supercoach season. It's all about taking any advantage offered. Right, so let's go to the pre-season that, that we're in now. We're getting almost here in round one. Um, let's look at the selection of your team. In head-to-head, coaches generally sort of you're in a league with your mates, you only have the one team, but you're saying potentially if you've got you know, wife, girlfriend, son, daughter, add another team or two, help them along, and why would you do that? And from a strategic perspective, how do you differ in those teams? Well, firstly, I've got to say it can't be emphasised enough that a good start is very important to overall players. Everybody knows that the, the key to supercoach success is to find the right blend of rookies and guns in your initial team for round one. And selection methods vary between head-to-head and overall players for the most part, but if you hope to achieve at the highest level in supercoach, they do really need to vary. Head-to-head and overall players should use a slightly different approach as each has slightly different priorities and risks. Now, a couple of years ago, we had a situation where in the first three rounds, several of the better guns were injured and suspended. From memory, it was Paul Gallen, Sonny Bill Williams, I think Conrad Hurrell, and several others amongst the massive points failures in the early rounds. All teams initially, with the standard bunch of gun players in their lineups, found themselves well outside the top 20,000 right from the start. The early leaders were those who had the right guns and avoided the wrong guns. It was pure bad luck, but it killed many players' chances right there in the first three rounds. Now, having a single team is putting all your eggs in one basket. A second team, courtesy of the wife or son, thanks very much, uh, which doesn't rely on the same core players, gives you multiple chances of at least one team making a good start. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have second best players in team two. What I am suggesting is you split up your guns just a little. Don't have the same core five gun forwards, for example, in both teams. You could have one or maybe two in both, but split the remainder up. There are plenty of top players to choose from in most positions. Variety could keep uh, one of your teams in the hunt, even if the other team flops badly. So it really is about those guns and and trying to maximise maximise which guns are going to really get you going early, I guess. How do you frame your team entering round, round one? Do you fit as many big names as you can and then speculate on a bunch of cheapies? Or are you looking through the list, there's those longer-term money makers, the value buyers and the mid-price improvers? Now, yes to all the above. 
there's really not much difference in the initial selection criteria between head-to-head -head and overall, right. aside from trying to avoid anyone who doesn't potentially contribute uh, either as a massive point scorer, a gun, or a massive money earner, rookies, mid-price improvers. Unless they are gun players you intend to hold, you should avoid players with little upside in their price. Yep. The real difference in team selection happens after the competition starts as you start to make your trades each week. This is where the tactics should be different to head-to-head -head coaches. Okay. I want to get into that. That's, that that um, brings yep, up a we good, do. A good uh, point. But uh, First, could you look at a certain club, maybe the buyers work well for them, and, and basically line, select your line based upon the clubs you think will do well for one reason or another during the year?
All right. What's, uh, let's let's look at the priorities and the risks for the, I guess, the different type of coach. So, you know, head-to-head, sort of what we know a fair bit about winning your league, but what's the difference between head-to-head and overall? Okay, so head-to-head coaches, the priority is the first head-to-head round, which happens in round four. And you really want to get away to a good start and win at least two of your first three head-to-head games so you can position your team in the top half of your league and make a top eight position easier to reach. The risk, of course, is having early failure, but in head-to-head it's negated by the fact your total points aren't important. Plus, you've got up until round four to get the makeup of your team right. The early failure here is not a loss of points, but just a loss of team value. Not vital, but still important. Now, for overall coaches, the priority is having two things. It's a solid point-scoring team right from the start so you don't lose much ground, and importantly, maximising team value through some good old-fashioned horse trading. Now, the major risk is a poor start. It's almost impossible to recover if you don't get away to at least a half-decent start, hence the worth of having two or three teams. In my experience, anyone with top 100 aspirations should expect to be no worse than top 20% after two rounds. If you are, you should consider setting new realistic goals, such as the top 500 or top 1,000 finish. Top 20%, I guess, has a lot of pressure to get it right early. In saying that, do you spend all your salary cap or do you have to save some for those early trades you mentioned before? Well, if the bank was offering an amazing 20% interest rate at call, would you put some money in it or most of your money in it? Yeah, right. Yeah, if I want, unless I, the players that I want work out cheaper than the salary cap, I'll spend it all. Okay. The start, the start-up phase of Supercoach is the prime time to invest in the players. So if all the right players are there, spend up, get your money into the game. Yeah. Also, one of the early season tar- uh, strategies that I employ means that cash shouldn't be much of an issue for early trades, and I'll explain that in a little while. All right, so let's look at the second section when, when you split up the season, rounds one to three, or the decision time, as you call it. Can you explain your strategy in that period and what exactly does the term decision time refer to? Okay. Well, having chosen your team, you really have to live with it. There's not much you can do at that point. You really get just the four trades to make major repairs to the team before the reality of the price play, uh, the player price changes sorry, uh, happen before round four. Yeah. Now, by decision time, I mean hard decisions. Some you won't like and some may just seem plain stupid. But at this stage, money is everything. Money is power and trades are simply tools. Supercoach, in essence, is a game of money. He who has the most money wins. I think that was a a famous quote from some movie. Um, Or in our case, makes the top 100, which is what we're basically aiming for as a starting starting point. Now, those four trades after rounds two and three are absolutely vital. Used right with the correct tactics, they can set a course for you towards building a great team from what might have been just a very good team. Now is the best opportunity you'll get to massively increase your team value and therefore the number of gun players you'll own later in the game. Most coaches go into the final rounds with 18 or 19 guns. This is your chance to eventually take them on with 20 to 21 guns in your team. I make every trade in rounds two and three with the round four change of values for the players in mind, every trade. I also end a super coach expecting to burn a few trades, getting rid of underperforming guns, not hoping, expecting. Hard decisions have to be made, and that's why it's decision time. It's amazing advice. Look, it's not exactly conventional, but that's why you're competing overall, and a lot of people end up just in, in, in might do well at head to head. But using those trades, you know, that, it's such a key bit of advice. I'm, um, I'm just wondering, what about the really big name players like Corey Parker or Paul Gallant? Are you, do you trade them out early just, just so you can get them back cheaper if, if it looks like their price is dropping? Absolutely I do. I've done it many times. 
for several mad weeks and scrambling, I get rid of players I love and bring in players I hate just for the cash it brings. Right. Of course, that's providing certain criteria met. The player um, who you trade out, his price drop has to be pretty substantial. And uh, the, ca- the cash that you gain from bringing one in has to be pretty good as well. So you get a big, uh, big figure in terms of extra cash for the trades. Um, also, I need to see minimal disruption to my team's scoring potential, yeah. which isn't always easy. Yeah. While dumping a gun will always work against your score, if it's minimal and only for a couple of weeks, the trade-off in cash will usually be worth it long term. The money is power. Uh, again, being king, I guess, king, I guess the mantra money is power. Um, well, can you sort of give a give an example? Because you did mention the um, you know bringing in a player you might even hate, but you're getting that price price rise. You know, what would be an example? You know, say round two or three. Okay, so you're sitting back after round two, admiring your team having done so well, despite the fact that uh, Paul Gallant got a head knock, kept him down to 15 minutes in game time. He scored 12 points, but you're telling yourself it's okay. The dog's cleared him. He'll be, he'll be back next round. No harm done. Wrong. The score of 12 points in his three-round three rolling average until after round five, you're probably looking at a 500K uh, player who's about to become a 420K player yeah. inside three weeks. This is even with him playing the following week. Yeah, yeah, because he's going to have to come up with some, some outstanding scores yeah. to keep his average up and not lose money. Yeah. Um, in our example, and this is just an example, of, I'm not just picking a player out here, so... Um, young, young up-and-coming Melbourne, second year forward, Nelson's a sofa, Solomona, just for example. Yeah. The guy I liked last year is someone who had a, a fairly high work rate and looked like he might be an improver given mid, bigger minutes. He looks the part. Yeah. <laughs> well, just say he'd been starting prop in each of the two, two first games. He topped the stats, and at 200Ks, he looks like a 55 to 60-minute per game workhorse and, and worth grabbing on the cheap. Now, most supercoach players have also identified Solomona. It's not hard. And they're trying to find cash to upgrade some 114k rookie forward who either didn't start or he played badly. They're trying to find the money to get him, you know, get Solomona in for this 114k rookie. Yeah. They haven't left themselves much uh, salary cap to add on to the 114 player, and, and they, they can't get him in. While they're doing that, I'm downgrading Paul Gallant to the Melbourne player. Now, in addition to this, I pocket 300k, 300k for for Gallon to Solomona. Yeah. I save 80k in the upcoming price drops for Gallon. Um, you can add about 100k short term over the first two or three weeks uh, increases for Solomona, or even up to 150, maybe 200k long term if his form continues, if he keeps his spot, and uh, if he turns into a, a minor gun that he's starting to look like. Yeah, and that's where the, the money is power. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it, it's a standard, look, it is great, great advice, and, and a little bit against some common wisdom out there. But you have lost Gallant now, so how do you, you how do you bring him back in later? How, how do you sort of account for that within your team? Okay, well, let's continue with the example and just keep an eye on the maths behind it. In two or three rounds' time, Gallant's 12-point score from round two leaves his rolling average. I'll consider bringing him back into the team at that point, but rather than it just being just so I have him, mm. I want to try and make a, le- a legitimate trade into the team for an injured or failed player. Now, just to continue with the example... If I chose to, to trade Solomona back to Gallon, this means getting a 500k player for around 420k. And with Solomona worth now, say, 300k, the trade back to Gallon cost me just 120k. So you spend two trades and you just got back the same player, right? But obviously your salary cap is increased. 
I'm starting to, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. I hope the listeners are too. It's about money. But what would you consider a worthwhile cash increase for using, you know, two trades in such a fashion? Okay, well, the result is I traded gallon for gallon. But I'm 180k better off. Yes. The 300k I pocketed, less the 120k premium paid in the buyback. I've also gained a good point scorer and money earner in Solomona. You could look at those two trades to gain one player plus 180k, potentially more if I keep it. Yeah. Uh, three such trades during the season, six trades in total, can add up to five or 600k, adding to your team value. Enough money to fund two upgrades of nobodies to two extra gun players, plus I have Paul Gallen back in the side. Yeah. This type of trading is perfect for origin time, where you can sell origin players on a high, buy them back later on a low, because obviously they, they, they come back from origin matches, they play 45, 50 minutes instead of 65, 70 minutes. Maybe Wayne Bennett decides to leave them out altogether. Maybe they go to the origin time. And, and guys like Cam Smith, for example, go into origin with, with a price of 470, and by the time round 20 rolls around, he's got 330, 350 to his name. Yeah. These are good examples of people you can, you can do a double trade with, even over a period of six or eight weeks, make a lot of money, have at least as many points achieved by the players you're replacing, by, uh, replacing with, considering these are, these are guys trying their guts out who are lesser players rather than tired, great players doing less time. Yeah. So, you know, I find the best time to use the strategy is when there's a massive number of overperformed rookies about to pop, as you called it earlier, and that's round four and just after. In broad terms, I'm looking for at least 160k added for the two trades. And the, ample, the example I gave earlier, the profit was 180k, and it's very achievable. Uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because you know we talk a lot of head-to-head on uh, Supercoach Professionals, particularly our roundtable uh, podcast, and I guess we're often asked, oh, you know, should I just hold on to a player one more week? But you're saying every week is critical. You've got to maximise your salary cap. You're almost saying everyone holds on their players too long. Well, you know, these, these are the tactics that you use to be different from the bunch. If you yeah. bring in the same players as everybody else, you'll get the same scores as everybody else. Yeah. If you make the same trades and make the same decisions, even if you have a great week, so does everybody else. Mm. You've got to try and be different to the pack. Um, and that sometimes means taking chances with players to make more money from other players. Um, we can't all go in with 25 guns, so decisions have to be made that are pretty hard. You're going to leave out some of your favourite players. Um, it's a money-driven mantra. It, that's, it's, it's totally about money. I, if you, it's no coincidence at the end of a game, if you have a look at the, the salary cap of the top 20 players and you compare that to the, top, to the salary cap of the the 500th to 520th teams, yeah. you'll find there's many hundreds of thousands difference. They've got there on the back of the players. That money has been able to buy them towards the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you gave the example Gallon for Solomona, but but quite potentially it wouldn't have been Solomona because if he kept playing well, you'd have a different player to to try down. Yeah, well, you know, think think of it this way. Um, I've now got the proceeds from from Gallon. Uh, the sale of uh, Gallon. I can trade in the player of my choice as my second trade. A replacement gun about to rise in price, a 140k rookie who performed outstandingly early and he's going to go up a massive amount. Whatever trade I want, I have the cash for it in my second trade in round two because I've made a huge amount of money in trade one. Um, the example I gave is obviously a, a simplified one and it was basically simply to 
to give a, a monetary value to yeah. the trade so you could see it was effective. Yeah. But what I'd actually do is similar, but would involve bringing Paul Gallon back in via another underperforming or injured player when Gallon bottomed out, bottomed out in price and keeping Solomona until he topped out. Same principle, bigger profit margin. Now, the strategy I referred to earlier when I said that money not likely to be an issue, this is it, this is the time. Yeah, okay. My strategy involves either bringing in a well-performed rookie or dumping a badly failed gun, or even better, both. Yeah. Um, if Gallon would have failed in, in round one rather than round two, you'd have to consider he wouldn't drop as far in price. So you've got to be flexible with your tactics. Yeah. And regardless, you'd keep him for round two simply because you wouldn't lose any money on him in round two, and you'd take advantage of his good score. Yeah. But come round three, it's decision time. Um, you've got a bit more information on him. You know if he, if he failed or otherwise in round two. You, you can calculate roughly what he's going to lose. Um, you you know, can make that decision between him or if someone else is not done as well in round two. Yeah, you might even decide the hand on the if, a, if a different gun, Sam Burgess went down injured instead, you'd, you'd keep the gallon and dump the Burgess. Because it all revolves around that three-week rolling average. Yeah, it all revolves around money, and you've got to work out the best way to make money out of your players you've got, regardless of names. All right, so we hope that the listeners have, have, have gotten onto something here. You, if you want to win overall, use the trades early on because that's your best chance to make some money and really get get that salary cap up that you're going to utilise later on in the season. Let's look at now the third part uh, of the season, rounds 4 to 11. Now, you call this accumulation time. Can you explain listeners exactly what you mean by this? Yeah, it's, it's time to accumulate cash by culling maxed out rookies. Yep. Time to accumulate better players by keeping an eye out for other rookies or even improving mid-price players. Um, if they show imminent signs of large value increases, they, they've got to get your interest. Um, you can harvest them later on. But it's, it's purely and simply a matter of you churning through the trades. Every trade should have an objective of either getting better players in or making a lot of money. You don't waste trades, you don't look at uh, players you like, you look at players who can bring something to the team either on the field in a big way or in your pocket in a big way. Um, you're churning through trades, but it's also time to continue planning ahead. Now it's very, it's very, very important you plan ahead for the rep season. It's the next big advantage that comes your way, um, and as you close in on it, you've, got to be, you've really got to be planning for it. All right, representative season. This brings me to, I guess, the next question, the buy schedules. They're such a key component to Supercoach. We talk about them each and every year, pre-season, during the season, when Origin's just around the corner. What advice do you give to those in the pre-season planning right now who plan to be in contention for the overall? Yeah, this is, this is sort of Jekyll and Hyde advice. Uh, advice. Be aware of rep season and its pitfalls. The rep representative rounds are the most important part of the season to overall players. These rounds are the ones which will make or break your season and overall. Plan for it, make your decisions based on it, think of it as an, as an advantage, not a disadvantage. Relish it. This is your best chance to make up ground on the leaders if you plan right. I think in my first season, I entered the first round, the first rep round with about 13 or 1400th place yeah. and after the first and second rep rounds I was up in the top 100. Yeah, right. You know, so I've, I've made an enormous amount of ground simply because back in those days people weren't thinking that far ahead yeah. and they were arriving at the first rep round and saying, oh look, it's two weeks away, I better start thinking about it and suddenly they look and they say, I've only got seven players. Whereas at that stage I had 14. 
Yeah. I'd already planned for it. Now, as I say, you've got to be aware of the teams that will and won't play in rounds 12 to 19, especially during the origin weeks. You write them down, make lists, make some of your plans far in advance by looking at what I call the advantage teams, teams that play both rounds 12 and 15. Now only eight teams play during round 12. Broncos, the Tigers, Dragons, Cowboys, the Raiders, the Bulldogs, the Knights and the Eels. Now of those eight teams, only the Dragons and the Eels also play round 15, the second state of origin week. Right. Quality players from these two advantage teams are super coach goal. Sometimes it's not easy to find quality players in those sides, but you simply, you simply need to do your best to have the good ones in your side. The Eels also play the, the tricky round 18, the third origin week, so it makes them even more invaluable. If you can find three or four top quality Parramatta players to hold through most of the season, you do it. Yeah. Now before signing off on your final team, before round one, have one last look at it and see if there are any selected players who, who don't play round 12 and can be replaced by a similar player from one of the teams who do. Right. You can't decide between Warriors Isaac Luke and Broncos Andrew McCulloch, go with the Broncos, they do play round 12, but better still, Pick Nathan Peets, pick Mitch Rain of the Dragons and the Eels. They played both rounds 12 and 15. That's one trade saved later on a position and a position filled for both rounds. Use this formula where players are similar. Take the one who best advantages you later on if they're of similar point scoring ability. And now we're seeing the trades that you'll use that others might not. You don't have to use at the moment. Um, so the, you make these decisions early in the season, as I suggested, and now there's pressure's off with a mid-season trade. Yeah, precisely. With my strategy involving burning a huge number of trades early in the season, at some stage I have to reduce my demand on trades to conserve enough for later. Yeah. If I prepare right, I can get away with a mid-season low in trades. The centre point of my season strategy is to have a full squad of 17 players playing in all three state of origin rounds, if possible. If not, then 16 at worst. With planning, this is more achievable than you think. Now, when I plan for rounds 12 and 15, I plan for both rounds at the same time, and I see all players as one of these three types. Type A, only available for round 12. Yeah. Type B, only available for round 15. Type C, the advantage players that I mentioned. Now, that's the Eels and the Dragons, as I mentioned. Mm. Now, well in advance, I know the split of these players I want come round 12. I want 11 from Group A, 11 players who play in round 12, um, and six advantage players. That gives me 17 for the, for the first rep game. Um, eight players from, from Group B in that team will be sidelined. However, they are available to play in round 15 three weeks later. Yes. Theoretically, only tra uh, three trades needed between rounds 13 and 15 to go from a full squad in round 12 to a full squad in round 17, right. uh, round 15. Uh, I say theoretically because obviously injuries, along with decisions that you make, uh, can, can mean needing additional trades to receive 17 players, but I mean, one such decision is retaining rep players. If you retain a rep player, then you've got to make an extra trade to get that 17. Still three, I guess, when you've got four that you can use on those particular origin bye weeks. Hmm. You've still got a lot up your sleeve. Let, let's look at representative players. How many do you advise people should keep during, during origin? The more you keep, the more trades that are needed to maintain 17 players between origin rounds. There are plenty of other options out there at that time of the season uh, without retaining four or five state of origin players. I'd rather a solid, fully available, non-state player through that period rather than a jaded state forward given 50 minutes uh, game time after three days, uh, three days after origin. Then of course there's the depreciation in player value as origin players struggle through the rep season. 
No, I may keep one forward or maybe a couple of banks, but I'm never going to keep more than two rep season players through that, that, that section. Um, the rep season is also another place to potentially take advantage of the price drops and use the double trade system I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. By all means, early in the season, have five or six state players to boost your score. Gallon, Parker, Cam Smith, Inglis and the rest of them. But as round 12 approaches, pick your timing and colour few. Bring in players who will actually play games and, then, uh, and they'll be refreshed and keen to play rather yeah. than tired from you know, the, the start of the origin season. Right, players who are from the eight teams to play in round 12 and the non-origin players, they're the type you bring in, the Tolmans, McCulloch, Snowden, possibly Tedesco if he misses the team, foreign players like James Graham, cheaper rookies who get their chances when the Stars are playing origin, and of course six from the Eels and Dragons. You, know, you can choose from guys like Rad Radra, Mau, Rain, Maria, uh, Pete, Joel Thompson, Frizzell possibly if he misses origin. Yep. Um, some seasons it's easy to find quality advantage players, others not. Um, seriously consider that if any eel or dragon player stands out to you as good enough to be borderline for your top 25 players, bring them in from round one. That's one less trade later on. They're, they're the two teams you're really targeting and you're also treating rounds 12 and 15 like a joint project rather than sort of separate. Um, okay, well, what about after round 12? How do you sort of change your tack? Okay, after round 12 we use exactly the same thinking to work on rounds 15 and 18 jointly. Right. The new so-called advantage teams become the Eels and the Roosters. They're the only teams that play in both of those rounds. Yep. We've already got 14 players available for round 15. And we can concentrate on bringing in high quality players to add to those while only using three or four trades, hopefully. Um, with the Roosters and the Eels now gold, I would suggest retaining all the Eels and recruiting several top Roosters. Um, they become the advantage players looking further towards round 18. Um, also, you're looking to bring in whatever cream's available from the other teams that are playing in round 15. Right. Uh, unless the balance in your team can hold them, at this point in time, Knights and Broncos should be traded out because they, they play neither Origin Week and are basically dead weight to your team. It's interesting with the Roosters because I guess of their, their injuries and a lot of unknown, maybe by that time of year, got some good players coming back that you'll be able to take advantage of and have them go through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's just bums on seats, basically. If you can get players in from those clubs, even if they're uh, fairly low-value guys that you're trading down to to make some cash, but they also contribute 30, 40, 45 points in those rounds, they're worth having, even if they're the dead, dead weight at the end of the season outside of your 2021 guns. Yeah. They're still worth making the trade down to the player, taking his points in the origin round and saying goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've talked about trades a fair bit um, so far. Do you have targets as far as that trade usage for different parts of the season? And if so, how, you know, roughly what are they? Well, I don't have anything formal, but I do have a rough template in my head as I go along, just based on how it's been going in the past. Now, as I said, I go hard early using both trades every week for the first eight or nine weeks, unless there happens to be no one worth buying and nobody worth dumping, but that's very rare. There's always a buck to be made somewhere in the early rounds. Now, usually by the first Origin week, I've used about 18 trades. This year, Origin is round 12 rather than round 11, so I anticipate maybe 20 trades. That's half my season's trades up till round 12. Um, between the first two rep rounds, because of the strategy that I've, I've put in place, I try to keep it to a maximum of four more trades. If you get lucky with injuries, you can get, a, get away with three trades in that period. Um, by the way, I would advise people making trades uh, for the rep rounds 
never plan to make all four trades on an Origin weekend as one injury means 17 players just can't be attained. Yeah. Um, plan for two or three at the most and keep that fourth trade up your sleeve just in case. So it's a mid-round trade potentially if you... If yeah, you that's, that's the best way. Year. That's the yeah. best way. Save one to use in the, the last two or three games if you need that extra player. It's very important. I don't think enough people take advantage of that, being able to trade mid-round. Yeah, when I first started, you weren't able to. You had to get yourself set early on yeah. and you lived or died by it. Yeah, the rolling lockout. You've got to take advantage. And when we get to the later rounds, round 16 to 19, I go hard again. I'm In this point in time, I'm, I'm finalising my, my third rep round team and I'm also building towards my plan 21 guns for the run home as a priority grabbing any of my planned final team that actually play round 18. Ideally, I save a minimum of six trades for round 20 onwards. And if my whole team is healthy at that stage, that really should be enough for the run home because right. you're looking at you're looking at 20 to 21 guns plus six trades to fill a 17-man team. Yeah, let's talk about the run home in your final section now. I guess the buzzword at that time of year is point of differences. How many, if any, do you want in your team? Yeah, desperate times need desperate measures and, and sometimes you just need to take a chance when victory seems just out of reach. Personally, I like solid, reliable players making up the backbone of my side. Um, perfect example, Simon Mannering over the years, you just know he's going to be there, he's rarely injured and he'll rack up a lot of points for you. Yeah. Um, but you can't just have players like that. Um, it sure doesn't hurt to have a Milford, a Cartwright, Blake Austin on your bench in case you need that rare 120 points that players like that sometimes manage out of the blue. I think at least two massive PODs like those guys are a must for a 21-gun squad. You can play it safe with 19 solid guns or make that desperate call for the Hail Mary type players if needed. Choice is always a good thing. All right, let's uh, look in summary for your season strategy for overall coaches. Plan ahead wherever you can. Compare and consider players in terms of future worth to the team. Trade to maximise salary cap for the first eight or nine rounds, regardless of players involved. It's very critical. Treat every advantage that offers itself and every hard decision as an opportunity. Have a target number of advantage team players for the core of your rep week teams and make sure you, you aim for it and fulfil it. And therefore play a full team in every Origin weekend. Yeah, that's about, uh, that's about the size of it, Paul. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But that's the blueprint I use and it's worked for me sometimes. Other times, not so much. Bill, it's fantastic advice. Just one more component um, in a way to get you over the line as, as, uh, as our listeners in overall... Thank you so much, Bill, for joining us on the Supercoach Professionals one-on-one. Well, thanks very much for the invitation and good luck to all your overall coaches. I hope I helped. You sure did, you sure did. That is fantastic advice indeed. And thanks for listening to Supercoach Professionals one-on-one. I'm Paulie G. Until next time, goodbye.